Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today, I've got a real life badass on the show. His name is Alan Baris. He will be joining us here in a moment. So stay with us. You don't want to miss this one. And we're back. I want to bring my buddy Alan on. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ken. Appreciate being here. Dude, I'm uh, excited to have you here because of um, some of the stuff that you've you've written about, that you've done. It's going to be a good show, man. So, so you know, I, I like to always start the show with you know, kind of you introducing yourself, telling everybody where you were born and raised. Remember, this show is about helping people get unstuck in life. And I mean, I created this two and a half years ago to to give back to the world and, and help people get unstuck. So let's start with where you were born and raised. Well, I was born in Helena, Montana, but I was actually adopted then. And so I was adopted by my dad, Robert Burris. And I grew up an Air Force brat. I was a little bit in Montana when he was over in Vietnam. I was in California. Then I was in Minot Air Force Base. And that's where I started school and a number of years in Minot Air Force Base. Then when he retired, moved to Montana, a little town of Thompson Falls where I went to high school. And that's where I call home is Thompson Falls. And I've lived in and out of Montana my entire life, but Montana's definitely home. You know, I I drove through Montana on my way to Seattle, and um, this is years ago, and I'll never forget in in Cincinnati, Ohio, the the most powerful radio station, AM radio station in the world, is in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's WLW. And, and it's, it's 700 on the AM dial. And I remember because Montana, they call it big sky country. And it's, it, there's a good reason. It's, yes, it's unbelievable. Is. So I'm driving through Montana and it's like, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night. And, and I was like, I wonder if, if I can pick up that radio station out of Cincinnati. And I did, I picked, you can pick it up at, and you're like, it literally feels like you're, on top of the world and you can see everything. Ken, I want to share something about when I was a baby that might help some of your listeners. Yeah. I mean that I was adopted. Yeah. And we're going to talk later about my mark. You know, you know, you know a little bit about my martial arts, military, yeah. all the stuff that I do. Yeah. I shouldn't be able to do any of it. When I was adopted, I was given a clean bill of health. It was, you know, my dad said it was more of a hunch than anything else. They started taking me to some different specialists and found out I had spina bifida. And without corrective surgery, I would have been crippled from the waist down. Wow. And it was because of him and then Air Force and Army doctors, um, I had the corrective surgery. And back then, it was in the hundreds 
of successful surgeries. You know, not thousands or millions. They were still in the hundreds of successful surgeries. Wow. It was successful, and I've been able to do all of these things. When I turned 40, I had these weird shooting pains going up my spine. Mm. Finally, and I don't go to doctor. I'm a tough guy, right? My wife finally got me, you need to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctors, had x-rays, MRIs, and all that kind of stuff. The neurosurgeon then came in and sat me down, and he said, you see, this is your spine. It splits into two and then comes back together. And what here we call this tethered cord. He's like, I don't know how you did everything you've done. Normally, this presents in babies, and you already had surgery when you were a baby that was different. He goes, I don't know what to tell you. He goes, I've operated on tons of spines. I wouldn't touch your spine because some of the things we use to guide us when we operate, uh, you don't have. They took them out in that earlier surgery. I'm like, oh, thanks, Doc. <laughs> what do I do? Wow. He's like, if it hurts, don't do it. Uh, if it, if you lose functioning, call me and we will get you into a big university hospital with adult and pediatric surgeons because pediatric surgeons usually do this stuff. He goes, but that's the best I can tell you right now. And the pain, it went away on its own. Knock on wood. You know, I, I, I'm in my 50s now and I don't have those shooting pains up my spine. But I feel blessed every single day of my life to do everything I've done because, you know, the odds were I shouldn't have been able to. So you're, you said your spine is split in two? Yeah, there's this, it's a, I forget the long name of it offhand. I'd have to look it up. It starts with D-I-A, you know, split, die two. But yeah, yeah the spinal cord goes down, it splits, and then it comes back together. And it's, it often Great. presents in babies and they have to have correctional surgery and stuff. And it's often crippling, I guess, but wow. Wow. So I, that was, and again, if I wouldn't have been adopted by who I was adopted from, you know, yeah. my, my dad, Robert Burris, you know, who knows if I would have gotten the, the corrective surgery and I may have been crippled and not done any of the stuff. I've done. So, so growing up as a kid with a, and you were adopted, when did you find out that you were adopted? Pretty young. I don't remember exactly when, but, um, you know, my parents were always up front. My, my mom actually had cystic fibrosis, so she mm. didn't have children. And she died when I was young as well. Uh, but my sister and I were both adopted. You know, they wanted kids. She couldn't have kids. So we were both adopted as babies. We're not biological brother and sister. Um, right. She's years younger than me. But we were always told we were adopted as we were growing up. Wow. So did that have any um, any sort of negative impact on you at all? Like the because I was always told that you know people have babies and they get what they get. We chose you. <laughs> I mean that, that that's how you know parents put it to my sister and I. It's like we yeah. you and we loved you and wanted you to be part of our family. And so I was always raised like that. And so I never had a problem with adoption. My sister, she did uh, when she was 18, my parents helped her find her biological mother. Um, I never wanted to. Um, the only thing is maybe certain health things, but it was never really an interest of me to find the bio biological parents. Just, you know, my dad was Robert Burris and 
his wife, Barbara, Barbara Brees, who died and was my mom. I mean, wow. Wow. So, so growing up with a military dad, right. He was, yep. he was in the military. Um, was he strict? Yes. I mean, it was, I mean, it, it, he was, you know, he retired a master sergeant. Um, he, he was a stricter, if you remember the James Garner movie tank, you know, where he, he had the yeah. army, sorry, that character reminded me of my dad so much when I watched that. Um, yeah. Um, but that's, he was. So did, so you went to, you said you went to high school in Thompson Falls, Montana. Tom I knew it was something falls. <laughs> I was like, did he say twin falls? So, so Thompson falls, Montana, you went to high school, you graduated. Did you go to college? I did, but not right away. Um, I, I was sort of influenced by movies, I guess a little too much when I was younger, maybe still am. Uh, I had good grades. Everybody thought he's going to go to college scholarships. I saw first blood, you know, while I was in high school and, have been interested in the military ever since. Wow. When I graduated, I went off to jump out of airplanes and fire big guns and those kind of things. So I joined the United States Army and entered basic training after high school. But I also signed up for the GI Bill during uh, the Army because I knew that I would want to go to college afterwards. So <clears throat> you went to... They did so. The spine, spinal thing, did not stop you or prevent you from getting into the military. It didn't, and that's you know the the neurosurgeon I saw later when I was forty. He wondered why, but I passed all. You know, I was a high school athlete. I played basketball, wow. track. I never played football because it got in the way of my summer jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I did martial arts, and so the, I passed all the physical things and. They let me in and I succeeded and passed everything, you know, jump school, uh, then sniper school later in those things in the military as well. We were, um, did you see, did you see the show we did last night with the gal that came on, um, talking about how her, her, um, skydiving accident? No, I missed that one. Oh, dude. It was crazy. She was tethered, you know, it was her first yeah. jump. She did it just to overcome her fear of heights. And yep. her instructor had a heart attack on the way down and was out cold. Wow. And, and, and they, they hit the ground and he mm. served as like a cushion for her. It was, it, dude, it was incredible. So I, I've always been like very curious about how somebody works up the nerve Especially doing what you know, you said you went to jump school. I'm assuming that meant jumping out of airplane school. Yes, that's that's yeah. the, the Ar army jump school is the basic airborne training. It's a yeah. three week school to get you prepared to jump out of airplanes. And to graduate that school, you make five jumps before yeah. you go on. You know, I went to the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg after that, but the jump school was at Fort Benning. Wow. Yeah. A buddy of mine was taught, he was in airborne. He said that, uh, you jump at 800 feet or something insane or yeah, 800 to 1500, you know, are the normal jumps because you don't want to go lower than that or a reserve wouldn't be affected. Now in right. time they might go ahead and drop you at a lower one, but 
Wow. Be way up too high floating down for very long either and being a target. So the military uh, jumps there are, are usually eight to, they start at 1500. That gives you more time for a reserve if something goes bad. And then they lower, you can lower down to like the 800. You have like a couple of seconds to realize if something went bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's insane. I can't even like, uh, no, uh-uh. I wouldn't have never done that. I wouldn't have made it. I only had one really scary jump. <laughs> I, you, If you've seen pictures in the, of the, like the 82nd, they're going out both sides of the airplane. Yeah. At the same time. And I went out. And it was a nighttime jump, so it was dark anyway. So it was nighttime. And all of a sudden, there was silk all over me. And, and my first thought is, it's my parachute. What the? But which is not logical. My parachute comes out the back and goes up. It wouldn't yeah. go over the front of me. And I'm just fighting with this going, God, what do I do? What do I do? It was, a, it was another guy's parachute. And I was all trapped in his. Oh, my God. Parachute opened. It pulled me away from his. And we separated, and I was fine and landed. But for a couple seconds, when his parachute was all over me, that was pretty scary. <laughs> did he land okay? I'm sure he did. We separated, and he went off. I don't even know who it was or what happened, you know, because, again, Jeez. you got hundreds of people coming out of different planes, and at the same time, when you do those mass drops. And so I'm not even sure who it was. But wow. it definitely was a little scary for a few seconds when I, that silk was all in my face and all covering me. Dude, that, that, oh. So how many jumps have you done then in total? I did, I did 28 jumps total before okay. I did the 82nd. Wow. So, so you, so you were in the military. How long were you in the military? And thank you for your service, by the way. Well, um, thank you. I, I went in at 85. I got out in 89 after four years. Okay. Those years were the 82nd Airborne Division, and then I was in the 2nd Infantry Division of South Korea, and that's where I went to sniper school and was an assistant instructor at the 2nd ID Scout Sniper School over there. Jeez. Wow. And that and was the toughest school I went to. This is in the Army? This is all the Army, yep. Okay. So you you got out and then went back in, you said? Nope, I never went back in. Oh, oh okay. Yep. I just, okay. I was at the, you know, I was at the 82nd for two years and then they transferred, you know, I actually put in for a transfer because I really wanted to go to Asia. And when I went to Korea, that's where I went to the second infantry division scout sniper school. Got it. Then was teaching there before I ended up getting out. Okay. Um, and then, so you got out of the military and, and where did life take you from there? You know, besides I went right besides I went, doing a roundhouse kick yeah, and on air. <laughs> I went back to Thompson Falls because, you know, that's was home. That's where my dad was at. Um, I was working in a sawmill where I was trying to figure out what to do. And mm. They knew me in Thompson Falls. So I got there. I said, Alan, you want a job? Sure. So it was a quick, easy job working. It wasn't easy, but it was. I achieved the job easy. It was tough yeah. working in a sawmill. Um, the, the lethal weapon movies influenced me at that time. And I went to Los Angeles and applied for the Los Angeles Police Department, did some interviewing, some testing. And then a friend of mine who's fought, he, I, he was a friend from the Army. His father was retired Los Angeles Fire Department. He sat me down, told me what was what, 
said, if you really want to do this, when I'm done talking with you, I'll help you. When he got done telling me everything, I decided college was a better choice. <laughs> I'm so glad because I would have been a young police officer during the whole Rodney King mess down there. Yeah. So I'm glad uh, Mike's dad talked me into going to college instead of LAPD. Wow. And so I came back to Montana for college. Oh, you went to college. Where, where'd you go in Montana? I was at the University of Montana, Missoula, where I okay. live now. Yeah. And then after, you know, I came back here after living in Asia and California after college, I came back and did my law school here too. So I did both my undergrad in the early nineties and law school in the late nineties, early two thousands at wow. the University of Montana. So you're an attorney too. I am. I am. I don't practice any longer, but I keep my license. So I'm a licensed attorney in the state of Montana. Wow. That's incredible. What was your specialty? I did. I, I was. I did a year in the prosecution prosecutor's office, um, okay. an internship. Then I worked with an insurance company where I was a claims attorney. We gave malpractice insurance to other attorneys. So an attorney got sued for malpractice. He called me, and I handled the claims and such. Then I worked for a firm that we did a lot of business transactional work, and that's when I became trained as a mediator and did a lot of mediation work as well. Yeah. Wow. The, it's a small business or was it? It was, yeah, I was working. Yeah. It was a small, small business stuff yeah. You know, with contracts, business formations, those kind of things. Helping partners break up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of my best friends who is my attorney is, is a, has a pretty big firm doing small business stuff. So I'm, I'm a, I've heard the stories. So, um, so wow, man! And did was this all like consecutive? You went and got your undergrad, then you went and into like no, it, it, you know it was sort of funny that I took the LSAT, which is a test taken in law school, yeah, during college, and I had good grades, and I was with the honors college, and did a you know I had a pretty good res college resume, so I was getting a stacks and stacks of college applications in the mail. But then I also found out about this job in Japan teaching English. And I loved Korea, you know, the, with the martial arts and, that I was fascinated with since the 70s as a kid. I, I was always fascinated with Asia. That's why I put in for a transfer for Korea. Now there's this job teaching English in Japan. Didn't matter what your degree was in. As long as you had a four-year degree and were a native speaker, you qualified. I threw all and everything was due that December. You know, I was graduating the next May. I threw all of the law school applications in the garbage and I filled out the application for Japan and said, I, I need a break before law school. Japan would be awesome. I ended up getting that job. I went to Japan and it was awesome. Wow. To the top of Mount Fuji one time. I got to see places that I'd only read about previously, you know, castles and temples and had a fantastic year in uh, Japan. That's incredible. And the, you know, the only reason I left is I had a book to write. Um, and before I went to Japan, I, I met Mark McYoung, who had been a self-defense author that I had liked his books from the time I was in the military. So we started writing letters, which went to phone calls, which meant to went to write a meeting in person. And he encouraged me to write this my first book. It was a book on self-defense. 
So I came back from Japan after that year, having thought about the book for the year and just sat down at a, I crashed on a friend's couch and I sat down and for a month, my friend went to work and I was on his computer and wrote the rough after the book. Then I moved to California where my friend Mark was living. It was Dave here in Montana that I was crashing with. I met up with Mark down in California, mm-hmm. hooked me up with a job doing bodyguard work for exotic dancers, um, which was what he was doing at the time, just to catch some cash. Wow. And he read my draft, gave me suggestions. We ironed it out, you know, lived down there for six months doing the bodyguard work, ironing out the book, training, having fun. But that wasn't a lifestyle that either of us really wanted very long. Right. I headed back to another buddy's house in Michigan so I could apply for a job in Korea. So I wanted to go back to Korea to study more martial arts. Mark, he went to Oregon, then Colorado. But um, when I headed up to my buddy in Michigan's place, the manuscript was done. And I uh, sent it to the same publisher Mark used, Paladin Press. Um, they used to do a lot of tough guy kind of books and videos. And then I headed to Korea, got a job teaching English there. And the book was actually published while I was in Korea. So I'm I'm curious, like living in Japan, um, living in Korea. So do you speak Japanese or Korean? I understand more than I speak. And I really should speak Korean better than I do. I have no excuse. Because when I went back in 96 to study Hapkido, the the martial art that I've been an emphasis on since 96, um, I was teaching English to pay the bills and I met my wife there. She was an English teacher at the same school. And she came to America when I was in law school and we've been married since. But so I should speak better than I do. I understand (laughs) more than I speak. (laughs) The, you know, I think, and, and I don't know a lot about, Hapkido. I know that um, good friend of mine, couple good friends of mine, um, in in the St. Louis area are one guy's a champion fighter in in jujitsu, cage fighting, and um, the other guy's probably poised to be if he wanted to do cage fighting. But um, what is? Uh, because there's so many different forms. There's karate. There's there's taekwondo. There's what's the differences in in the different forms of martial arts? I mean, you're right. There are a lot. And there are more arts like judo, which was my first martial art, which is more throwing and grappling. Yeah. A lot of your hard style karate are more punching and kicking. Yeah. Hapkido is a little blend. It has punching and kicking, but it also has a lot of joint locking and throwing. And those were the aspects that I liked the most. Yeah. My first DVD was with Paladin was on joint locks. And then I did joint locking videos with Ike Productions. Hapkido wow. is one of the arts that teaches the cane for self-defense, which I really like. It's a practical thing. You can take them on an airplane. You can't take any of your other weapons on an airplane. And, and I did a video with Paladin on the cane as well. Just wow. So, and if do you remember the old Billy Jack movies? I'll never forget the one line. He's, I'm going to take this here right foot and slap you across the left side of your face, and there's not a damn thing you're going to be able to do about it. That's right. Well, in that movie, and if you look up that scene again, Tom Laughlin's given the quote, 
you watch close. It's not Tom that does that kick. It was uh, it was Grandmaster Bong Su Han, who was a Hapkido master. And the Billy Jack movies were one of the influences of why I wanted to go study Hapkido. And in the wow. early 2000s, before Bong, Grandmaster Bong Su Han uh, passed away from cancer, I got a chance to go meet him at his uh, school there in California. It was in Santa Monica. We sat and talked for about an hour, him, my wife, and I. And then he's like, come back Friday and join my black belt class. And so I went back Friday with my uniform and, you know, yeah. at least 10, one class that he was teaching his black belt students, which was quite an honor because he was an inspiration when I was younger. Wow. So, so were you a black belt then? Yes, I had, I had achieved a black belt at that time. And that's why he invited me back to the class. Wow. Now, are there, are there varying degrees of black belt? And There are. And currently I am a fifth degree black belt from my instructors in Korea. Cause I do go back and forth. Wow. The last time I was back was during the Olympics, the winter Olympics two years ago. My instructor school was only a couple miles from the skating rinks and the, mm -hmm. the Gong Noon where they had all the skating events. That, yeah. you know, family and I, we went to some of the short track. That's wow. my favorite Olympics sport. And we went and got to see those live. And I saw the Summer Olympics when I was in Korea with the Army in 88. So yeah. two Olympics, both the Korean ones. Wow, that's so cool, man. So so you... you um... Wow, you're a black belt. Fifth degree. What's the highest degree in Hapkido? Ninth is usually the highest um, for the Korean arts. And, and, and sometimes that's an almost an honorary thing at the top. Yeah. You know, my instructor in Korea right now, he's, I think he was sixth or seventh. Um, and he was only a fourth when I started with him. But his instructor that he was with when I started in the 90s was a seventh. Um, so, but as they, as they go up, it takes a lot longer to go between each. Yeah. Wow. You got a lot of fans on here. <laughs> I do. Guys. I got some of the Megamind group. You know, this has been a fantastic summer. You know, it's yeah. Flex Protect is doing some exciting stuff. I met some amazing people and joined a Megamind group. Yeah. Family's getting ready to and uh, have a brand new puppy in the house this coming Saturday, you know, and then I'm starting out the week on breakthrough walls with Ken walls. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a great time. That's awesome, dude. So, so you, uh, man, I, I, I wouldn't want to try to rob you <laughs> ever. Probably wouldn't be a good idea. You know, I, I, you know, the communication and the, the mediation skills are as important as any of the physical skills for helping people stay safe. And, and when I work security, bodyguard work, security work, concert security, event security, the best in the business are good communicators. They, they can go physical if they have to, but yeah. communication skills are the, the key. Yeah. That Steve Sims was on. I don't know if you saw my interview with Steve Sims. Um, who's a, he's a big celebrity down and, and he works with all these celebrities in yep. LA and all over the world. But he talked about that's where he kind of started in, in England was, was in a bar being a kind of a bouncer, you know? Yeah. And he said, I'm the only bouncer that's never had a fight. <laughs> like he was just really good at communication. That, that is the best. I mean, it's, 
if you can end something and resolve it without going physical, that's the best win. I mean, Sun yeah. said that centuries ago. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so have you had any, uh, I'm just curious if you've had any um, real life encounters where being a fifth degree black belt paid off. I have, and most, you know, when I was younger in the military, I had a chip on my shoulder. You know, I was an airborne sniper, badass. You look at me funny. Okay, let's go. And at that time, I wasn't a fifth degree black belt, but, you know, I could handle myself. Yeah. More recently, you know, I spent seven years before I, you know, left to do some other things and teach the active shooter and get involved with Reflex Protect. You know, I did seven years at the university on their special events team where I did concert security, football, you know, any kind of event. You know, and this includes big ones like Paul McCartney coming to the University of Montana to, to real small shows. And there were times where I used Hopkido to physically take people outside and to stop, help me break up fights and stop people and take them outside. So wow. it does work. And, it, you know, there's certain things that work better than others, depending on the situ situation and circumstances. So is, and, and Hapkido is, is more, is it, is it more of the like judo style or? We do have, we have throws like judo, but we have okay. a lot of joint locks, um, which, you know, similar to Aikido, the Japanese, like, you know, see in the Steven Seagal movies, you know, his early movies where he did a lot of stuff. But Hapkido isn't as big and flowing. My instructor in Korea used to say, Hapkido, real big circle. Or, I mean, Aikido, real big circle. Hapkido, short circle. <laughs> 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 so Hapkido is more violent than Aikido. Wow. There are a lot of joint locks, um, some that are really good for taking a guy outside. You know, you've seen the wrist locks, yeah. the neck, or the chicken wing where you can take a guy outside. Yeah. Um, so there's a variety of things. Um, it's a pretty complete art, but it doesn't have as much rolling around on the floor like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. That's the, the weakest area of Hapkido because the goal is to get off the floor and not be there. But if you wanted to cross-train, doing a little groundwork extra to add to your Hapkido is a good thing and something that I do and I encourage my students that we do as well. So do you do any jiu-jitsu training or is it – is that, I, you know, right? I learn from anybody, you know, I, every year I teach at this big seminar, the Korean martial arts seminar down in Florida this year, sadly it got canceled. First yeah. it moved to September and now it just got canceled because of the COVID situation. Yeah. There are instructors from all over the world, literally. I mean, some yeah. from Australia, command Canada, all over the United States, many of them are Hapkido, but many are different arts and, I beg and borrow and steal, you know, I go, I teach, but I go to other people's seminar and learn and bring yeah. stuff back to, to my students. Wow. And, oh, you know, I try to tell them that, Hey, this wasn't a true hop keto. This actually comes from a jujitsu class, but it's, it's similar and it's cool. And I think we should practice it and do wow. stuff like that. That's pretty cool, man. And I, you know, I tell them where I get the stuff, you know, it's like, Hey, this, I learned from Tom or this, I learned from Mike or whoever yeah. and bring it in. So, so you, you, uh, let's go back to, I think you said you were in LA when you started on the book. Yes, I wrote, I, I started the book when I came right. from Japan here in Montana, but then, and then I, 
LA to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in 94 and I left early 95. No, how many 95, 96, how many books have you, um, have you written? I have two books on self-defense. Okay. I have three books on tough guy movie quotes and trivia. I like movies. So I wrote a wrote, they're called tough guy wisdom and it's just tough guy movie quotes and trivia about the movies and actors. And I wrote one novel so far that I want to write more on. Yeah. I wrote two eBooks only on self-defense tips. And then the newest is survive a shooting, um, which you yeah. know. Um, yeah, yeah. Those are the so three, four, five, six, eight, nine books. Wow. My my, you know eight my books. buddy, my buddy Glenn Morshower was in um, Steven Seagal's movie Under Siege. He was in 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 that. I don't know how much of it he played in, but he was in it for sure. That's cool. So, yeah, here George has a. Uh, that's a good question. How much does it differ from Krav Maga? You know, it, both Hopkido and Krav Maga have different threads, so they're not totally universal. One guy's Krav Maga might be different than another. One person's Hopkido might be different, depending on which organizations they came from. Yeah, Hopkido has a lot more probably joint locking and uh, throws, because to me, the, the, the Krav Maga people I've trained with. They focused a lot more on the striking and kicking aspects, but there's some joint locks and stuff there too. So, I mean, they both arts have a self-defense emphasis rather than sport where a Taekwondo or a judo have a sport emphasis. Hapkido and Krav Maga, they don't, they have a more self-defense emphasis. So those are similarities. I think, uh, Hapkido just has the cane and a couple different weapons that Krav Maga doesn't teach in their curriculums usually. Mm -hmm. Wow. Arts. I, I, I actually have a good friend. He teaches at that Korean martial art festival. He is, he teaches, he's certified both in Hapkido and Krav Maga. I mean, wow. he's worked overseas to be certified in Krav Maga. And um, so he combines and combines them well. And and he's just he's a great instructor, and so it's it's always fun to get you know together with him. How how many? And you said you so you have a school where you're teaching people. I teach out of a gym. I didn't want to open okay. my own school, so I teach out of a. It used to be Gold's, and now it's Ridge Fitness in Missoula. Okay, and and how many students do you have? Right now, I only have a handful because of, yeah. some don't want to come back because of coronavirus. Yeah. We're hoping when things open back up, we'll start getting some more people coming back in. But I mean, we were completely shut down for a while. Right now, we we now we can go in and teach again. But some of the guys are like, "Sorry, my wife doesn't want me going back until this is over because we got the baby in the house." And you know, which is it's like I understand. Yeah. Do not come to the gym until it's comfortable for you and your family. Right, right. Yeah, you don't want that. So yeah. what's um what what made you decide that you wanted to start teaching this? And, and, and do you see, do you see like areas from your perspective that the average person really should, should learn some of these things? Like I, I was looking through your book, which is laying right over here on the shelf. Um, and if you have a copy, feel free to hold it up. So people I do. I always have a copy. Right? <laughs> I figured. I figured. 
Yeah, there's the new yeah. one. Survive a shooting. And and you know that's a that's a uh, let's just let's let's talk about the uh, elephant in the room, and that is that's a touchy touchy subject. It's a very touchy subject. People, especially here in America, I mean, they they like to live with their head buried in the sand and don't want to don't want to talk about stuff like that. That's true, and and I don't try to be scary. I mean, if you look through the book. You know, I know you just got it, but, you know, there's a picture of me and my wife and daughter at the Olympics, you know, in the end, trying to emphasize that I want people to enjoy life safely. And I separate my safety classes, active shooter stuff with my martial arts. Martial mm. arts is more of a, a lifestyle, something to train in, to self-betterment. It can help you in a situation, but you don't have to train to be a black belt, to be able to do something to escape a mugger or do something to increase your chances of surviving an active killer situation. And so I teach those in different kinds of areas. That's why the Survive and Defend YouTube channel literally has hundreds and hundreds of videos about staying safe, not about martial arts. That's on a different YouTube channel. It's just about staying safe and defending yourself because I don't want people scared. I just want you to have a little knowledge, a plan, a little bit of what you could do if something happens. The awareness is most important so you can enjoy life safely. And when you're aware, you actually see the good things out there in life as well as the potential danger that it will protect you from. Uh, you know, so it's like, how can you stop and smell the flowers if you don't even see they're there because your head is buried in your apps? And that's why I say <laughs> pull their head out of their apps, A-P-P-S. and oh, apps. apps. Yep. <laughs> I thought you said your head that. out of your apps, A-P-P-S. <laughs> I got you. You know, it is true, man. You see these, I mean, you see people walking down the street looking. I mean, I've done it where you're walking down the street and you're looking at your phone because you got a message or a ding or a whatever. And you're like looking at it. And, and I mean, there probably isn't a better time ever in the history of the world to be a mugger. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, criminals want easy targets where yeah. they get hurt, you know? I mean, so if they can surprise somebody and get what they want and get away without getting hurt, that's, that's what they want. And yeah. what better way to surprise somebody that's like this, not paying attention. That's true, man. It's so true. And I, so I spend a lot of time trying to teach people how not to be a victim and how that they can just enjoy life and do things more safe. Right. Bruce wants to know how you would describe the style of Iron Fist and Daredevil. Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. like, I like both those characters. I like the TV Netflix shows, but that's Hollywood. <laughs> Yeah. Was Tom Laughlin a martial arts practitioner or everything done with stand-ins? I think Tom did a little bit, but okay. you can watch those movies and you can tell when it's him versus uh, Grandmaster Bong Su Han. And yeah. they actually put Grandmaster Bong Su Han with a speaking role in the trial of Billy Jack. If you remember that both both of them were beating up people in the final scene, they, yeah. they gave him a, a speaking role. But most of the, the stuff in their first Billy Jack, it, 
it was Bong Su Han if you watched close. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite cheeseburger? I'm known for posting uh, burgers on my Facebook when I'm traveling. Yeah. One of my favorites is in Montana because they have 135 different burgers on the menu. Wow. It's a little town about 45 miles out of Missoula called Drummond. It's on the, the I-90. Yeah. And they have 130. It's called Parker's and they have 135 burgers on the menu. I'm nowhere near trying them all. And so, yeah. so I, that's one of my favorite places just because of the, the really odd, strange, different combinations that you can get there. You can you can tell that you're you're on the West Coast, man, because you, you you put the word the in front of the interstate number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a West Coast thing. It's we don't West do that Coast. in Ohio. <laughs> hey, go over and jump on the I seventy. No, we don't do that. But uh, I, I but I lived in Seattle, so I know I know what it's, yeah. what it's about. So um, and Charles brings up a, a, a touchy subject too, man. I, I fully support the Second Amendment and support it well. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So I, I agree with you, and I, I support the Second Amendment. I, I own firearms. I support. I res, I am for responsible firearm ownership. Yeah, there are people that aren't being responsible with their firearms, and I'm, I don't like that. I want them to be responsible. But I also believe that there's a less lethal option um, for many situations and for many people. And, and that's why I joined Reflex Protect, because they were the newest and most unique, less lethal option I had seen in decades of the self-defense industry. And when I had a chance to join that company with my training, their product, it was a natural fit. And that's what I've been doing for the last 18 months. You know, I, I used to um, I used to be one of the largest home security dealers in in the nation, and and we put in thousands upon thousands of home security systems, and I I believe in that too because it at least gives me an audible warning so I can lock and load. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but I I think that that um, you know people. I studied the Uniform Crime Report by the FBI for many years, and I, I always kept up with what was going on. And there's a home invasion or burglary, something like every 18 seconds or something insane in, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And and oftentimes they're armed. The criminals are armed. And, and I think that what you're doing certainly – is going to help people in any situation like that. And, and so if somebody were to be, let's say they don't own a gun, let's say they don't have, they don't support the second amendment. Um, if somebody's sitting at home and, and a couple of dudes kick in the front door and come in bearing arms, what, what, what do you say to them? Like, how do they, how do they handle that situation? You know, I th think a, couple different things you know and if we back up a little farther is the first step uh, why did those people break in the door i mean we can we can do things with our outside fences gates lighting your sh different shrubbery your better doors your better locks your better windows locks you know things to keep somebody out so yep. that's our first defenses and, you know, we can do things where somebody doesn't want to come into our place anyway. Why are they there? Were you advertising that you had something that somebody might want or, you know, so it's making a hard target. 
and somebody undesirable. So criminals go somewhere else. We're not going to stop necessarily a criminal from going and committing a crime, but there's a lot of things we can do to keep him from making us the victim or attempting to make us the victim. Now, with all that said, once, if he gets through, you know, you have a couple options, you know, first, can you escape? He's coming through the front door. Do you have a back door that you could just run out of? Now, maybe you got kids in their bedroom. You see that just negated. You can't run outside and leave your kids. Do you run into their bedroom and lock and barricade while you're calling 911? And do you have a place to keep the bad guy out? You know, so that's always an option to deny a criminal access to you. Yeah. L lastly, you, you fight. I mean, if you, and this is the same for a home invasion, an active shooter or whatever. You either escape, you deny or you, you attack back and defend yourself. If you yeah. don't have a firearm, you know, I do think Reflex Protect, which is a, a non-lethal defensive spray, it was created to be used indoors. It was created for hospitals because of the workplace violence problem in hospitals. And that was the first uses, first purchases and uses of the product were hospitals. But schools, churches, and now law enforcement are starting to carry it. What's it called? It's called Reflex Protect and the Presidia Gel. And... Uh, this is wow. a for the hospitals that keep them at nurses stations under desks. This is the smaller one that you can carry personally or that like law enforcement like on their belt because this is too big. Their, their belt's already full. Uh, it has a the Presidia gel doesn't cross contaminate like pepper spray. Uh. You can. So it's, it was made to use inside and we've we've used it inside. You can spray somebody. That person goes down instantly with burning pain in their eyes. Everybody else in the room just sits there, no problem. Wow. The decontaminant, this was important for hospitals, and it's, it's, it's actually making a huge difference for law enforcement. We can reverse the pain within a few minutes and clean the person up. So far, we just started law enforcement sales this spring. The first law enforcement use was in July. Wow. Loved it. Because the guy went down, they cleaned him up, they, they handcuffed him, cleaned him up, put him in the and nobody else was contaminated. Nobody had to go change their clothes or, you know, clean all this. Like they often lose a lot of time when pepper spray is deployed. Nobody, none of them lost time. And wow. the, the hospital, they, the, the first hospital use we had, we were so happy that it worked perfect. We're like, yes, this is a game changer. A guy was trying to beat up a nurse. They sprayed him. He dropped what he had. He went down. They restrained him. They cleaned him up. 15 minutes later, it was like nothing ever happened. Wow. And so it's a game changer. And so we are doing some exciting things. Um, and, you know, it's real, I'm really happy to be part of a, the company. And it was just weird. We met because the CEO knew about me and my book and my training. And he said, what do you think of this? And I'm like, that's a game changer. Uh, and I started promoting the, the product. And six months later, he came and said, Alan, you want to join the company? You run the training programs? And I said, certainly. And so I've been with him for about 18 months now, a January. Of, he, he told me that at Christmas of 18 and I joined January of 19. Wow. And is this, is this, um, is this available on Amazon? <laughs> it is available. It is. It, we, we, really? we do have a couple versions available on Amazon. Wow. Available on our website. There are some restrictions in certain States. So there are a couple states 
where we we're not at yet because they only allow a half an ounce and we don't have a half ounce size yet. Some states like Florida, Nevada, they have a two ounce limit so they can have this one. Okay. Um, other states uh, like California can have a 2.5 this size or the smaller one. And then a lot of states can have the five ounce, the 2.5 or the 1.9. It doesn't matter. So it depends on your state's laws. And, and I'm in the middle of a project of researching every law, and we're going to create, you know, something for a, a master document for people too. That, but we want to make sure that, you know, we can provide that information to people. We don't want to get anybody in trouble carrying it where they're not supposed to. You know, even though we do tell them check your local laws first as well. Yeah. Right. Right. So, ha so pepper spray, and I have a. Um, I won't say where I got it, but I have a, a Cubaton that, mm -hmm. that that holds pepper spray in it and yep. and it has a little safety mechanism. And for people who don't know what a Cubaton is, it's a it, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> That's without the pepper spray. Yeah. Uh, but and I and I of course I had to try it. <laughs> <laughs> just outside at our house. I'm like, I wonder how this spray works. So I, I hit the thing and, and, and I sprayed it. So in the direction, the wind was going and it still burnt me. I was like, what the, and it was windy blowing yeah. away from me. And I sprayed it and I don't know how, but it got in my eyes and I'm like, Oh dear God, that was so painful. I, I mean, it, it really is. And that was just any little, so pepper spray puts out a mist. It puts out yep. a, a, I don't know how else to put it, like an almost aerosol. It does. The gel though, like, do you have to hit them directly to? You do. You do. I mean, the, you know, and when I, when I tell people, I say, this has all the benefits of pepper spray without a lot of the negatives, except for one little thing. You do have to be a little bit more accurate. If, <laughs> Spray the guy all over the chest. It's not going to stop him. Look like Glenn. <laughs> Glenn teaches teaches action. <laughs> that is hilarious. Whoa! So that is true. You have to get them in the eyes. You, you do to to, to it affect any mucous membranes, but the eyes are where the pain is going to stop the person. So it does take some accuracy to to put it right in their eyes. And then it'll stop them. But if you spray them all over the chest, it, it, it won't put them down and stop them. You're probably going to just piss them off. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but you can, I mean, it's easy, especially the, the big one with the trigger. It's yeah. easy. And it comes out like wasp spray. So just like you zero in on a wasp pie, yeah. you zero in on his face. Is that, is, so is that the trigger, the front blue thing? That's a trigger block. It pops out. Here, let me full give you full screen. How'd you pop that out? It just pops out with your finger. And that's for shipping more. You don't have to keep it in, but you just take your finger and it pops right out. Oh. And then there's a safety here. Push up. It's ready to shoot. Down. It's unsafe. Wow. That's and, and it's so easy to use. And I mean, we, we have a nurse will go through an hour training of when and when not to use it and then how to use it. And we take the inert practice ones out and they practice and they're confident, you know, whether it's a nurse or a teacher or anybody. And we, we do a little stress on the training. So they're doing it fast with somebody screaming at them 
and they have fun doing it, but they get where they get comfortable and Jeez. situations it saved people so far. Wow. I mean, that's not something, you know, if you have a, a, a guy holding a gun on you, you probably don't want to try to spray him with that. If they're holding the gun and saying, give me your wallet or give me something, give them the thing. Yeah. I would never teach a teacher to take this and go after an active killer hunting down the halls. No. No. Teacher can put their kids in the safe spot of the room, yeah. barely lock the door, and they can have this right beside. And if a bad guy comes through, they ambush him from the side where he's not expecting it and spray the heck out of his face. Yeah. It could be used for. Um, you know, so it's but never it's it's not like, oh, I'm gonna take a spray to a gunfight. It's a no. Itch. it's better than using your hands right sure 15 feet away yeah just cover the guy's face yeah you at least a fighting chance and how so if that hits somebody in the eyes they can't see no the eyes go shut within seconds and the pain is bad police officers in the academy they have to be sprayed with pepper spray yeah they have to do a couple tasks and then yeah. they're to start deconning we've had a bunch of police officers say well i want to try this no one has been able to do tasks after it gets in their eyes it works so like pepper spray it takes a little while to get to the hottest and then a long time to get better this goes to the hottest really quick burns fast but with the decon we can relieve it really fast wow that's insane i love his charles comment <laughs> <laughs> the good actor, yeah. Yeah. I think if you got sprayed by the producer with reflex protect, you wouldn't want that job anymore. The day <laughs> like a raise. That is so funny. So, so, um, wow, man. So, you wrote this book. Hold the book up again. The uh, the active shooter um, survive a shooting. Uh, Strategies to Survive Active Shooters and Terrorist Attacks. <clears throat> Dude, what in the world compelled you to write that book? I, I was teaching martial arts and then, like I said, safety classes on the side to, you know, women's group, university classes, you know, anybody that wanted to be safe, realtors. So I was teaching classes on how to be safe. Yeah. And it was after the Aurora shooting. Uh, you know, with the Batman movie premiere, people were emailing me and sending me messages. What do we do in these situations? And it was during that time I made a commitment to do more in that area because these things were happening more frequent. Um, and I stood outside of the Batman poster at the Missoula movie theater and did a little YouTube video committing to doing something about this problem. And I started studying. I started reading. I became certified by Safariland Training Group. And I worked on a team with Safariland Training Group instructors, teaching uh, teachers and others um, what to do in these situations. Taught thousands of people when I was with that team. Gained a lot of knowledge. And there wasn't a book that I wanted at that time that was complete enough. And I said, well, I need to write one then. So I wrote the book that I wanted to have had when I went on my quest to help people in this area. Show some, show some of the inside of the book, if you can, like, 
Uh, it's a it's literally an instruction it's, manual. It is. It's, it is like a textbook on the history of stuff, what the problem is, different models of what to do. Yeah. Psychology and what stress does to you and what you can do to negate some of that, how you can harden targets, what you can actually What's that? How you can what? harden what? targets? Yeah, hardening harden the target means how do you make your school or your hospital or your business a harder target for one of these killers to do? And that's that's when we're putting in the doors and locks and different yeah. things to make it more difficult for them to choose you to be their target. So it's called hardening targets. Making yeah. We want to make ourselves a hard target for muggers. We want to make our schools a harder target for people who want to do bad things to the kids inside. You know, it's amazing. I, I have a lot of friends in law enforcement. In fact, I, I have a, well, I won't, I'm not going to show it, but I have a, 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 so I have a lot of friends in law enforcement and I've done a lot of work for law enforcement and, and it, 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 I've heard stories about, you know, when you're in a, cause I know a lot of people that, that are CCW carriers and they, you know, they're like, man, I'm protected. Anybody ever, you know, but when in the event of a, a shootout, literal shootout, people don't realize that, that even trained law enforcement officers that, that are constantly training and honing in their skills, when the adrenaline's pumping and somebody else is shooting back at you, they miss 90% of the time. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And you are 100% correct that trained people miss. And so a that's lot why, more than they hit. Yes, very much. It's super high. You know, like yeah. I said, 80, 90%. That's why, you know, I, it's not the best idea, I think, to just say, let's give all the teachers guns. Yeah, no. They became teachers because they didn't want to be police officers and soldiers. Yeah. And, and you know, without the training and all of that to go with it, you know, it's not the best option. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, hardening the targets, making the schools more difficult, making better ways for them to lock down and places to keep their students safe and maybe giving them a non-lethal like Reflex Protect for that last chance. But, but the thing about Reflex Protect, it's not just for killers. It's for any violence. I mean, the uses we've had in hospitals, they weren't killers. They were people that were beaten, nurse, wanted to beat up a nurse, which if, wow. you, if you read the statistics... Um, nurses and healthcare workers, it's, it's bad. There was a recent big article that just came out like early this month about how bad it was with nurses and healthcare workers getting beat up. Yeah. Uh, and that's what this was originally designed for. Wow. It works for schools and teachers and other places too. Any, anybody that, you know, has a risk that wants to help protect themselves in a non-lethal way. And if you want to carry a firearm, do the training. Yeah, I, I right, but at, at least do some training where they're shooting back at you. <laughs> well, simulated anyway, exactly. Yeah. Don't go out with your buddies and shoot at each other. No, right. but I mean, it is it, 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 it. I people do do not understand. I I didn't understand. I never even thought about it until somebody said, "Yeah, but dude, when when the adrenaline's pumping." And you're in an active shooter situation, and they're shooting back at you. It, it, you know, there's there's a huge miss rate that that you know you got cops shoot cops that are trained on this every day. 
you know, or well, maybe not every day, but they train a lot and they miss a lot. <laughs> and so, yes. so, you know, having a CCW is cool and I fully support it, but, but like, you know, you still run the risk of, of not being very accurate. So I, I love, I love what you're doing, man. I, I absolutely love it. And, and so, and here's something, this is huge, man. Charles Coachman just said, he's a realtor. He said that, you know, they've had several realtors attacked and a few of them have been murdered. Survival training is key to meeting people and surviving an attack. It's so important. And even the gel thing that you're showing, the Ref Reflex Protect, as a realtor, you know, if it, especially a lady, if you got your purse and you got to reach in and grab that. And that, I mean, knowing how to defend yourself in hand-to-hand -hand combat is unbelievably important as well. Do you agree with that? I, I do. And, and also, here's the thing about the, the small reflex protect. You're going into an area, you're walking out your business to your car, you're in an, or you're a realtor going someplace and you're not quite sure. So you take it out so it's ready. Yep. What that does more than just being ready by doing that, having it in your hand, you have just increased your awareness and the likelihood of you having to use it now because you're aware and paying attention has just diminished because you're going to see a potential threat and be able to make avoidance and different actions and not even have to spray. So right. there's reflex protect or pepper spray or a Cubiton, often yeah. having it and getting it ready heightens your awareness. Now you're in the better mindset and you might not even have to use it, but it's kept you safe because you saw something, you avoided it altogether. Do you guys sell that in a Cubiton? Not yet, no. <laughs> Darn. Maybe um, it's something we have to look into. Yeah, right. Well, they ha you know what I'm talking about, right? The 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 Cubiton spray. I, I, I have a drawer full. Of, I, I have more. Yeah. Behind this interview back there, I have more weapons than you can count. <laughs> People send me all these things to, and a, a lot of gadgets and gadgets that are made for women. And I was like, yeah, this not, I'm not too keen on this. <laughs> yeah. And, and for a, a, a woman that's carrying that and in ready mode, hopefully her husband's not surprising her one time. <laughs> like, well, the good thing is if she has the decon, he'll only be in pain for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my gosh. So rumor has it that even with all this badassery from Alan, his favorite color is pink. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Eric Bams. Just he he wants to get kicked in the head again. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. So where can where's the best place for everyone to follow you, Alan? You know, especially what we've been talking about, the SurviveAshooting.com, and you can find Reflex Protect there. You can find my book there, and you can find links to other places too. SurviveAshooting.com. Survive a shooting.com. Yep. Shooting. I'm I'm gonna put that up as a, a great a banner here. So um survive a shooting.com and is is all of your um all of your social media links, all that on the website. Some of it is there. Another place is survive and defend.com. Survive and defend stuff and 
lots of stuff there too for staying safe, not just the survive a shooting focuses more on the active killer problem. Survive and defend is general safety about staying safe. Wow. Bruce said his wife has a fifth degree black belt in Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so, um, man, anything else that you like that you want to leave people with? I can I would love to, to take a few minutes and ask you a couple questions and share a story that I think could motivate some of your listeners. Okay. Ken, has there ever been a president or somebody really important that you've wanted to meet? Yeah. And someone living? Yes. Did you meet him? Yes. Awesome. Because so many people don't. Right. And I was working at a Burger King early 19 summer of 1992 it was between i was doing my undergrad work at university of montana working at a burger king and i thought you know i want to meet president reagan he was my first commander in chief um i love the communication i mean as you tell I, you know, I talked earlier communication is the key in so many things he yeah. was a great communicator i wanted to meet him i told a couple people at burger king and they laughed i went home and i wrote a letter Dear President Reagan, sent the letter off. I told the people at Burger King the next day, I sent a letter to Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, laugh. Get back to cooking burgers and fries. Yeah. A week later, a phone call on my message answering machine. His name was John Hall from President Reagan's office. And he's like, why do you want to meet the president? He was my first commander in chief. I'm a student at University of Montana. It would be inspirational, motivational to meet him. I, I just admired his career. And I'm going to be in California later this summer. He's like, well, I'm sorry. Uh, President Reagan is campaigning for President Bush. He's unavailable. And I'm thinking, what about Christmas break? I might be in California. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Well, call me back in October when we're doing the scheduling. Okay. October, I called back. He's, you know, I asked for Mr. Hall. He answered. He's like, remind me why you, why you want to meet the president while I pull your file. <laughs> I pull my file. Okay. Oh, God. I went through the spiel again. My first commander in chief, motivational, inspirational. He's like, can you be here on January 5th? Yes, I can. Wow. work? Yes, it does. Said, well, we have you down. Please report to the security and they will escort you up. And at the, you know, this building, it's like, wow, I called my sister. I'm coming to visit you early January. Cause she lived down there in Southern California yeah. at the time. The, you know, the couple months later, I'm in Southern California, getting out of the rental car, looking wow. at diehard building. If you remember the very first diehard. Yep. Nakatomi tower. Well, the exterior shots were of the Fox building, which is where president Reagan had his offices up at the top. So I'm here at the Die Hard building, and I went in and was escorted up to the top, and I got to spend 30 minutes one-on-one -on -one with President Reagan talking about all sorts of stuff. He signed a couple books for me. I have some pictures taken with him, and wow. it was incredible. And I tell this story in some of my presentations that people, you can do it. Yeah. I was a college student out of the Army. And I wrote a couple letters and made the phone calls and bought the plane ticket and rented the car and got to meet 
the president of the United States, who I greatly admired and respected for things he had done throughout his career. And it was a fantastic meeting that I cherish to this day. Dude, that is so awesome. He and, is uh, definitely my favorite president. I, I, I'm that's that's absolutely amazing. What a great and I, you know, and I just people can do it. I mean, it's it's, it's not impossible if, if we just make what we have to do. And sometimes yeah. there might be more hoops to jump through, or you this or that. And sometimes we might fail, and we just like, oh well, the next one I'm not gonna fail, and and that's what we have to do. That's so awesome, man. That's so awesome. Wow. I, I think that um, what you're doing for people, it, it, you know, I think you also make it, you, you seem like you make it fun. And, and you know, although it's a very serious thing, the um, active shooter stuff, self-defense, it's very serious you seem like you have the the personality to 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 make people enjoy it well, well thank you and i try that you know i'm, I'm going to texas in a couple months i uh, gonna be speaking at the she never quit it's a group it's a charity event that empowers sports women there's shooting there's archery there's all sorts of things at this ranch in texas ranch for this big group of women I'm going to be one of the few men allowed on the, the ranch and I'm not going to be spend, spending the night there. That's women only. I'm going to yeah. be in a hotel off the ranch, but, and I'm going to be teaching a safety class uh, fr that Friday afternoon is all for me uh, and a couple other instructors teaching safety and reflex protect, but we do, we, we make it fun. And they're going to hear my, you know, the inner fluffy story. You know, I have women bring out and I have men too. bring out your inner fluffy and, yeah. and some fun stuff to, to let them know that, they are empowered that they can live their life safe and then to encourage them to enjoy stuff. That's why I post burgers. That's why I post videos from amusement parks and things. I mean, I make safety videos in, in Universal Studios, Disneyland. Wow. Wherever I travel, I make little safety videos, part of it to keep people safe, but part of it to let people know that get out and enjoy life with, with yourself, with your family, with your friends. That's what it's all about. So at surviveashooting.com and surviveanddefend.com, um, are 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 there like links to your YouTube channels where, where yes. people can watch yep. some of these? Yep. And, and sub subscribe. Yep. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. And there's a newsletter. There's a free newsletter at Survive and Defend. Put it out every Sunday night and you'll get, you know, it's, it's a text-based, real basic email that just has a lot of solid information about staying safe and defending yourself if you have to. My wife wants to know if you do um, self-defense classes for women and children. I don't, do, I don't do anything online at the moment like that. Um, some of my YouTube videos are, are aimed at kids and families and things. I have been hired to do live classes for you know groups of high school ladies and and different ages groups. I used to teach a, a class for young kids at the YMCA here in Missoula, but I haven't done any of that stuff online yet. You know, maybe it's something I need to to look into. Yeah, I think you know, and and it's something that you know, I have a fourteen-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old daughter, and with the 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 pedophilia problem in this world and, and the, the fact that a child is abducted every six seconds or something insane. 
Um, you know, like I'm always at this super heightened awareness level of when my daughter's outside on her bicycle, like in the neighborhood or in on, you know, I mean, you've got to, got to be aware, man. People as fathers, we're definitely, you know, with our kids out there. Exactly. I have a daughter as well. It's like, yeah, it's It's not like when we were growing up, man. No. I'd get up in the morning, disappear on my bike and not come home till 11 at night, you know, and, and it's yep, it's, like it's, that. yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was talking to my wife the other day about that saying, God, when I was a kid, you know, yeah. we'd be gone and out and it's, yeah, it's a different world. It is man. It is. So what you're doing is unbelievably important. Alan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for what you're doing to help the world, help people, and 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 I, I hope everybody jumps over to survive a shooting, surviveanddefend.com, either one of those websites, and and man, go follow this guy. Everybody, go follow Alan right now. Follow him, and on you're active on Facebook, man. I mean, very active. I have survive a shooting survive and defend both on facebook i have to do my motivational stuff on alan barice business page and i have your warrior's edge for all my martial art and hapkido stuff so yeah very active on facebook that's so awesome well i'm sure that um if you want go back to this um drop in any links to any of your facebook pages or websites anything feel free to drop them all in man that i think that that, that's great stuff and and the reflexprotect.com and reflexprotect on facebook and reflexprotect on uh youtube as well because i do safety tips under the reflexprotect youtube channel as well so because we're a safety company we don't want to just sell spray to people we want people be safe so we're we put a lot of safety tips on our facebook and youtube's instagram channels as well at reflexprotect so Wow. That's awesome. Well, thank you, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. Thank you to everyone who watched and shared and, and all the wonderful comments and everything. So thank you to everyone. Thank you. Thank Thank you. I so much appreciate you having me on and appreciate all the people watching and commenting as well. So greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.